This is a People First Radio podcast. One November day, when she was 32 years old, Tara Sidhu Fraser found herself in the hospital. It turned out she had had a stroke, caused by an arteriovenous malformation, a tangle of blood vessels in her brain present since birth. When she woke up from surgery, her memories were gone. As she made her way through the recovery process, Occasionally, a hazy recollection of the past would tug at her, like a ghost. Sidhu Fraser has written about the months and years following her stroke in a memoir, When My Ghost Sings. Earlier this week, Tara Sidhu Fraser joined me to share more about her experience. In a previous interview, you've said that When My Ghost Sings was something you actually started to write for yourself. I'm curious about when when it became something that you decided you wanted to share and what it was about your experience that you wanted to communicate with other people. So, yeah, as you said, um, I began writing for myself and I just kind of kept going forward with it. And I didn't really think too deeply about um, it being on bookshelves and the, the public realm reading it too deeply up until it was published because every time I began thinking of it like that, because it is such a deeply personal tale, I just wanted to crawl under the covers (laughs) and I figured that I should just not be looking at it like that and just finish the story because I'd been very fortunate and anybody who I had shared it with in the literary world had you know, such kindness and and respect and was encouraging me to just continue moving forward with it. And you mentioned that it's something, you know, you think about it being on bookshelves, you think about putting your story out there and it's something you're like, ah, I want to hide under the covers. (laughs) But surely there must be there must be a part of you that's like, whoa, all of this stuff has happened to me. And this is this is what I want people to know about it. Like, what are the things you want other people to know about your story? Yeah. And like, that's the thing. Like I hadn't even necessarily considered that aspect of it when I first published it, but now that it's published, it is connection. It is absolute connection because I have had the most incredible experiences of talking with other people who have either undergone, undergone brain trauma or has had somebody in their life who has undergone brain trauma or any other type of trauma really and has had a similar experience and that the connection that it's brought forth unearthing these hidden tales that everybody has a story has just been absolutely beautiful and so i would say now that's a that's a great reason for releasing the book (laughs) so at one point in the book you wrote that I am building a person, talking about your recovery from the stroke and kind of finding or piecing together the memories that you had left and trying to fill in the gaps. Can you tell me a little bit about that process of building a person? Yeah, I mean, there's the luxury of taking things for granted. And we all have that where we can know for a fact, like I love broccoli. 
I know what the feeling of salt water is. Um, all of these memories associated with different things in your life. And when I came to after surgery, I didn't have that luxury anymore. And so I chased for a while the ghost. What does she like? Hopping in there, you talked about, you know, people know that the sea is salty or, you know, what broccoli tastes yeah, like. Yeah. And uh, I guess for you, you still like you had some of those same memories and experience. You talk at one point about like making a meal on your own for the first time. And you're like, I know I have to wash these vegetables and cut yeah. these vegetables. But I guess it sounds like or even when I was writing up questions and doing research, I was considering, like, is there a way to ask about, you know, maybe some of the more what you might think of as mundane things? And the more I realized it, I, I was feeling like, well, everything you know how to do is maybe in some ways tied up with your experiences and and stuff you've had, and like someone who taught you how to do that. And so maybe, you know, you feel a little using your mom or your friend's technique of like slicing vegetables, even that is is a memory with a personal connection. So I don't know, do you have any reflections on that? Yeah, like that's the thing, like when that is not necessarily cleared, but just murky, completely murky, it's, you feel so completely lost and there is almost like, this retraining as your brain is finding new pathways of how to do things, how to perceive things. Uh, how did that tie in with maybe the physical aspects of recovery from the stroke? Yeah. So, I mean, like, I remember, I remember like the first time trying to button a pair of pants like I knew they had to be buttoned, right? But because the, my right arm had lost so much feeling and like dexterity, like it was it was hard for me to connect the buttons like through the 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 hole in the pants. And that in itself, it was like re my brain was retraining my body and like how to physically do things and it's quite it's quite surprising because I, I still remember and this isn't in the book but I remember like there was one time and I was still living in Victoria's right before I left and I was walking down the street and I had a whole bunch of various thoughts just flying through my mind and I'm like oh, that's back again I can walk while thinking about other things. Like that was cool. Like my body was working like on its own, like in a sense, what I felt like subconsciously, you know, like I didn't have to think to put one's foot in front of the other. Like it was easy. You're listening to People First Radio. I'm speaking with Tara Sidhu Fraser. When she was 32 years old, she had a stroke, and when she woke up following surgery, nearly all of her memories were gone. She's written a memoir about the months and years following that experience. It's called When My Ghost Sings. In that memoir, Sidhu Fraser talks about her ghost, 
the person she was before the stroke. During our conversation today, you might also hear her reference the boy, her partner at the time of the stroke, and Jude, a partner she developed a relationship with later on. You talked about being in Victoria. In the novel, in the memoir, there are the sense of there's a real sense of place. You spend a lot of time in Victoria, a lot of time on the mainland in Vancouver, a lot of time in Seattle, and maybe your relationship <laughs> with those places changes is different before and after the stroke. Could you just maybe tell me a bit about place and your experience of it? So Jude is in Seattle, and I had well from I remember I spent any time in Seattle prior to meeting Jude and then um, the person very slightly beforehand. So that was kind of a, a new environment for me. Vancouver, I, it's so wild because as my memories were different of Vancouver, but Vancouver underwent this huge change while I was in Victoria um, as far as like, I don't know, architecture and it becoming just a more vibrant city as well. So I think like, cause I was in Victoria for about like five, six years. And I think that it would have been a different place anyways than how I remember it before I moved. And Victoria itself, I mean, it was that was the strangest because I had moved there prior to my stroke. And when I came to there was there was things, especially in uh, my house with the boy that were familiar and I was supposed to know. But I felt like I was visiting like I was in somebody else's body. And so, you know, like. The kitchen, well, there was like this bit of familiarity with it it was still new it was like looking at it was like looking at an old picture and i knew i i knew some things and my brain was looking at like like there was this picture on the fridge that I had that I had drawn and I was looking at it and I'm like yes I know that I did this before by stroke but it was looking at it like it was brand new that it was somebody else's hands who had painted it it was another person that feeling and the, this is the conversations that I've been holding with other folks is so similar to what a lot of people who have undergone strokes experience. That's shocking to me. Like I, I, I didn't know that this was, this was a typical thing. This feeling of this is something I did beforehand and now it feels like I'm, I'm almost visiting it. I'm almost looking at it through someone else's eyes, but there's still like a, yeah. a ghostly memory, if you will. Yeah, that's the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about uh, in the book, you refer to your ghost uh, as, you know, you before the stroke. 
And it seems real tied up in, I guess, you're talking about, for example, at one point, you know, the doctors call this anxiety, but they don't understand that the stress does not belong to me. Um, I'm curious about maybe the process of, of working through the emotional and the non-physical aspects of recovering and kind of grappling with your past hazy memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that that took time. I know that that took time. I really, I mean, it was years, years, years until I was finally okay with just living a different life and leaving that person behind because whether or not, you know, she fully came back and integrated into, into my being, it doesn't matter because it's been long enough now. It's been over seven years that my brain would have changed anyway. And in knowing that, then I was like, okay, the grief stage can be over because I would have changed anyway. And I think that environment, um, you know, place, situations, people, etc., changed your life so much that I didn't, I didn't have to chase her world anymore. I'm curious about how this experience has maybe made you look at identity and who we are. Yeah, I I think that that is so closely related to memories and experiences because those shape you as a being. Like at this point in time right now, I know what my favorite smells are. I know what tastes I like. I know materials, etc., And all of these things make me, me. They make me a unique version of self. But when those things are gone or murky, who are you? And it's such... It is such a lonely and sad experience, right? Because how can you connect with anything when you can't connect with yourself? This is People First Radio. I'm Joe Pugh. My guest is Tara Sidhu Fraser. She had a stroke at age 32, following which she lost her memory. Now, years later, Sidhu Fraser has chronicled the time in her life following her stroke in a new memoir called When My Ghost Sings. When you're talking about your experience, are there any questions maybe you wish people would ask you? Any things you really want to share or wish you could just communicate to people without having to having to tell them? Um, Like during that time period or like right now? Yeah, just looking back on it now. I did try to communicate how I was feeling. And even the title for this book kind of comes from that because I was sitting on um, the, you know, on the couch and I had turned to the boy one day 
And I, I, I told him more than once, <laughs> it felt like once, but I repeated myself a lot back then. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I feel, I feel like a ghost. I'm a ghost. And it's, it's hard to, it was hard to communicate for, for various reasons. Like one, like I went from having my normal cognitive ability to not even being able to read or tie shoes or just do simple things. And at that time that the, the stroke had occurred, I was a university student, you know? And so um, for those who have been to university, your brain is always on fire, you know, and you're, you're doing a gazillion things at once. And it's just, it's so active and it's so busy and to suddenly be still and to not be able to tie my shoes because my brain is just this murky, like wild mess is what it felt like is just so, so lonely and you can't communicate it because you don't know how. So I was fortunate to a degree that um, I think that everybody in my life beyond myself, like, cause I wasn't patient with myself, but other people were. <laughs> um, and patience, patience is, is huge. And I would, I mean, I think everybody's situation is different, but what worked for me is having to figure out how to do point A to B, how to figure out on my own how to do life, like just not having the option for other people to fix things for me or do things for me really helped my brain. And I guess that goes back to the off the top we were talking about the idea of like building a person and you wrote about how you were you're a really list based person and you would make lists about kind of the the way you wanted to be. Yeah. What were some of those what were some of your favorite lists about then maybe? Like it was just like little things like <laughs> and like like realistically, when you think about it, like if you saw the list, you'd be like, well, this is mundane. Like <laughs> there is nothing like really that, that cool on it. It was just like, these are foods I like. <laughs> um, and I think that in, I, I did it, I did it kind of out of anxiety too, because like, I was like, I can't lose myself again. Like th these are things like I need to know, like I enjoy chocolate. <laughs> um, like, these are these are places that I would I would you know like to go. These are these are things. These are things that build me as a person. <laughs> um, and just to, to to like have that in front of me too, and to like you know, yeah, building a person, like knowing knowing in a sense myself. And yeah, again, like I did it in you know a, a list format because I was afraid afraid of losing that again like and it's almost like wow well, it's funny though because <laughs> if i do if if i do happen to lose myself again well 
I mean, I don't think these lists are really going to help because then you like what you like. (laughs) Did you you still kind of know what you liked? Did you say, you know, for example, I like chocolate. I'm going to put it in the Did you experience maybe trying chocolate again and saying, whoa, this is really great? Yeah, yeah, but but it was with smoked paprika, <laughs> which is delicious. <laughs> um, so I had I had tried smoked paprika, and I was just like super obsessed with smoked paprika. Like I put it on literally everything. Like <laughs> um, it was it was delicious. I told everybody about smoked paprika. Like it was like this new thing that had just been released. <laughs> So the title of your book, When My Ghost Sings, uh, reading through it, you get the sense that maybe the title wouldn't wouldn't say to you right away that when your ghost is singing, it's maybe not a pleasant experience for you. Um, was there a point you got to, uh, like a reconciliation with that? Um, in a sense, like, I mean, I think that I don't know if it was necessarily like a reconciliation. Um, I think that, like I said, so much time has passed. The person I am now just is Mm -hmm. and has her own memories ingrained in this body. I guess just an acceptance rather than reconciliation might be the, the better word to use then. Yeah. And I think that really what it was is like finding home in this body Um, because I felt like a visitor (laughs) in this body and in her world and in life. But, you know, I think that I've just become completely comfortable. Given that, is there... Is there something then you'd want to say to yourself sort of just after you'd come out of this experience and maybe we're faced with that, where do I go from here? Hmm. I don't know if I would necessarily say anything to myself because I had to go through all of those experiences. Like... I had, I think with difficult experiences, just for me, I need to go through them um, and not necessarily know if things are going to be okay or not, because sometimes that motivates you to, (laughs) yeah. What's your relationship like with your ghost now is there still one um so sometimes it's, it, this is and this is where I, I kind of pause right because i'm like sometimes uh when i'm when i'm uh talking with people and there's experiences that they bring up from um you know youth and stuff like that you know my brain's a little bit murkier like i kind of don't remember it and i'll just be like oh remind me But I also think that kind of happens as we get older because our brain can only store so much information and, you know, the the important information uh, comes first. And so if past experiences aren't necessarily important at this point in time, I'm not going to I'm not going to hold them in in my, you know, 
in my memory box. Um, I think that, yeah, yeah, that would be, that would be my answer to that. <laughs> you've mentioned a few times today that you've, since you've sort of shared your story, you've talked to a lot of people who have experienced strokes or who have family members that have experienced strokes. From those conversations, are there many, or are there maybe any commonalities or things that you think really stand out that you'd want everyone to know? Yes. I'm very, very, very surprised that my experience in this isn't isolated. Like I, even when reading about it, I'm like, that's weird, <laughs> you know? But when I meet other people who know somebody close to them who's going through it and they express to me that that person has expressed to them that they don't feel at home in their body or they feel like a different person or other people are saying, I felt like a different person. That is shocking to me. Like I didn't know that the end, that it was so shared that this experience is, entirely relatable to a lot of people. And then maybe, yeah, so with brain injuries for sure, but then maybe it's it's trauma in general with such a, such a life-changing experience. Of course, you're not going to be, you know, the same person. Of course, you're going to be haunted by the person of the past. And you can never be that person again. You know, it's really experiencing, in a sense, your own death, right? And I guess based on your experience and what you've talked about with other folks, are there any things or any tips or ways to act that you'd want to share with people who maybe haven't, don't have this experience in their lives or in a close family member? Any ways that you would recommend they navigate experiences maybe with acquaintances or or other folks who they might cross paths with who have gone through something similar? Well, I think that not just particularly with somebody who's undergone brain trauma or any um, physical trauma, but emotional trauma, I would say just treat the person with love, right? I think that that's so, so important and can go such a far way and will always be met with appreciation. And what does that love look like? Uh, it looks like patience and understanding and appreciation. Tara Sidhu Fraser speaking to me about her recovery from a stroke and subsequent memory loss which she's chronicled in the book, When My Ghost Sings, published by Arsenal Pulp Press. People First Radio, People First Media, and People First Stories are community media projects of Vancouver Island Mental Health Society and are produced in Nanaimo, British Columbia. The opinions expressed do not necessarily represent the views of Vancouver Island Mental Health Society or its broadcast, podcast, and social media partners. 